Macworld Podcast, number 43, June 30th, 2006. Hey everyone, and welcome back to the Macworld Podcast. Once again, I'm your host, Sarus Faravar. Today on the show, we're going to be taking things a little bit in reverse. Normally, we do an interview with an article that's already up on Macworld.com, and we interview the person who wrote it, or the person who it was about. This time, we're going to be actually interviewing Richard Bagley, who is a freelance writer for Macworld and PC World. He has an upcoming feature in the September 2006 issue of Macworld, which is not out yet. Uh, It's going to be on camcorders and his thoughts of reviewing different types of camcorders, different models of camcorders, as well as providing some shooting tips for all you budding filmmakers out there. His article on camcorder reviews, as well as shooting tips, will be available at Macworld.com later in July. So we're going to check in with him a little bit later in the show. First, I just wanted to say that I, like probably many of you out there, are in the midst of World Cup fever. I know many of us at Macworld here love soccer and are, you know, enjoying catching the World Cup in every way that we can. Unfortunately, all of us at Macworld are in our offices during when most of the games are on. Because we're out here in the west coast of the U.S., the games are either on at 8 o'clock in the morning or at 12 noon, and we're obviously working during that time. Um, So some of us, you know, have various ways to catch the games. There's a company in our building, um, an Irish television company that is showing the game. So sometimes we go there. There's a few bars in the area that we go on maybe during our lunch breaks. But for the most part, we're at our desks not watching the games. You know, we're, we're working instead. So I've been trying to figure out a way how to get World Cup information while I'm working. Uh, Ideally, I'd like to be able to watch the games, but I would settle for, you know, an audio stream. I've been posting on the Mac user blog uh, trying to figure out how to do this, and somebody wrote in actually earlier this morning and pointed out that if you use the Flip for Mac uh, program, which is a neat piece of shareware that allows you to view Windows media files inside of QuickTime, as well as playing a particular stream from ESPN 360, you can watch the World Cup games for free, full video on your Mac, and it's really easy, and you don't need to bother with parallels or any of that stuff. Um, so that's up on the Mac user website. I urge you to go check it out. Um, the num- the exact address changes from game to game, but the method pretty much stays the same. Uh, so we'll have that up there for all you World Cup fans out there who, like me, are stuck in your office uh, and can't watch the games as much as you'd like. So, you know, I hope that uh, hope that your, your favorite team is winning. And uh, if not, you can just some- enjoy some really good soccer matches. So I look forward to the final you know, coming up later in July. Also, we were talking, I was mentioning parallels up on the Macworld.com website right now is a full review of the Parallels workstation software. We did a first look uh, earlier around the time when it came out, but we've got the full review with a mouse rating and everything, all of that. So you can look forward to that at Macworld.com. Also wanted to alert your attention to the a new online-only feature that we have, the 23 things that we would like to see in Leopard, uh, which is, of course, the new version upcoming of uh, macOS 10, version 10.5, which is going to be previewed at the WWDC, the Worldwide Developers Conference, here in San Francisco in August. And we're very much looking forward to uh, to getting our preview of what Leopard is going to be like. There's been lots of rumors flying around. So this article at Macworld will tell you what we as Macworld editors and Mac lovers uh, would like to see to happen in Leopard. 
So now, um, without further ado, I would like to uh, pass the mic over to Richard Bagley, freelance writer for Macworld and PC World, and uh, you'll hear the interview that I did with him about camcorders and his suggestions for how to shoot really great video. All right, Richard Bagley, thank you very much for being on the Macworld podcast. We greatly appreciate it. We're here to talk to you about the article that you wrote for the September issue of Macworld in which you have reviewed a bunch of different camcorders and are you know, giving people some really valuable uh, camera shooting tips and tips on how to choose a camera. So I'd like to start off, well, let's say if you were you know, talking to somebody who knew they wanted to shoot video but hadn't owned a camcorder before and hadn't, wasn't really com- you know, familiar with shooting video are there some sort of basic things that you would start out with that people can, so people can get in on the ground level? Well, the basic thing that you have to do to begin with is choose the camcorder that you want to buy, and that really boils down to which type of camcorder you want to get, and that becomes a choice of what you want to do with the video. You know, there are four major types. Uh, for Mac users, the, by far the best is the mini DV camcorders because they work out of the box with all Macs. You get iMovie on your Mac so you can just shoot and edit straight away. But there are other types. You have the, the mini DVD ones which shoot straight to DVD. Then you have your hard drive camcorders and the flash memory camcorders as well. Those guys don't typically work too well with Macs because they aren't compatible. Uh, Sony camcorders, the Sony DVD camcorders in particular, don't come with any Mac support out of the box. I don't know why Sony just decided they didn't want to bother for some reason. So, so you, choose, you choose the type of camcorder you want and you go from there. So people want so people should start off with probably for you know ease of use going with a mini DV cam. Yeah, yeah, they're pretty simple to use. It's like using a VCR. You just take it out of the box, stick a tape in there and start shooting and you're away. Now, for I imagine for camcorders, there's surely some that are more expensive that have more features and some that are less expensive that are, you know, perhaps for a more beginner type consumer uh, person who's shooting. Can you take us through some of the different levels and why somebody would want to pay more for certain features versus others? Well, they typically start at about $300, and at the low, at the low end, you get a very simple camcorder that really is just, just, just shooting video. When you get into the higher ones, when you get to like six or $700, you start to get higher-end features, like having three CCD sensors. That gives you slightly better quality video, uh, but it makes the camcorder more complex and thus more expensive. And then when you get into the, the higher levels above $1,000, you're getting into like the semi-professional levels. And, you know, you can pay as much as you want to pay. But, you know, probably for most people, a $350, $400 camcorder is going to do everything they're going to need. Now, are there any particular things, accessories that you recommend for people to have external microphones, tripods, certain cases, that sort of thing? Oh, absolutely. I mean, we've produced a list of the five essential things that you must have for the article in the uh, September issue. But the one thing that people really need, I think everybody should have, is a tripod. You know, I've watched so many videos of people who've gone on trips and, you know, they've been shaking the camera around and I've been feeling nauseous while I'm watching it, you know, and that's really not what you want. So even just a simple little uh, tabletop tripod will make your video look so much better. And the other thing really is just learn to use your camcorder. You know, you don't want to be sitting there in your daughter's wedding, you know, trying to work out which button to press to start recording. You want to be using it. So play around with it at home and learn how to use it and learn what all the buttons do. Do you find that it's easier to shoot with, I mean, as someone who is sort of learning how to film, we're going to be shooting a, a video later, and as somebody who's sort of learned on the fly, I find it easier to use the little flip LCD screen versus the little, you know, eyesight eyepiece thing. Is there a reason why one would use one, one over the other, or is it just personal preference? 
That's personal preference to a degree, but uh, you would probably use the uh, eyepiece if you were shooting in bright sunlight because you wouldn't be able to see properly on the flip-out screen. And also, uh, I generally recommend people to use the eyepiece where they can because you hold the camera steadier. You know, if you're holding it out and watching the screen, your hands are out and they're shaking around. If you're holding it up to your, to your face, you're going to be holding it a little steadier, which is going to make your video look better. So it's really a question of personal preference, but it's nice to have both. There are some camcorders which don't, so it's always nice to have the choice when you need it. Now, one thing about that I've noticed, uh, again, in just shooting my own stuff, is that when, when you use the zoom, it seems that you're talking about handshaking. It seems that the image shakes a bit more when you're using zoom. Can you talk about that a little bit? Well, yeah, because if you're zooming in, the uh, movements get exaggerated. You know, you, you may have had too much coffee the morning before or something like that. So your hands are sitting there shaking away. And uh, because you're zooming out, and you're focusing in on a smaller area, a smaller subject, that movement gets more exaggerated. Now, some of the more expensive camcorders do come with different types of stabilization. They will, you know, there are uh, electrical stabilization and optical stabilization. Uh, what they both do is they both look at the image, judge how it's moving between the frames and try and adjust now, the optical stabilization ones do a much better job because they actually move a small part of the lens itself as opposed to just kind of shifting the image electronically. So that can be a nice feature to have because, you know, sometimes you're always, you're always going to get some degree of shake when you're using a zoom. It's just in the nature of things, unless you're you know, a professional with a professional tripod. So that can make it a lot better if you're out filming a, a, a fo football game or something like that. Now, you were talking about one thing that can really help a, a video is to use a tripod. What else, what are some other basic tips that people should think about while they're shooting? Well, uh, be aware of what you're shooting. Be aware of what's going on around you. Uh, be prepared. Um, one thing that always frustrates me as well when I'm watching people taking videos is people who are zooming and panning at the same time. That just turns the whole video into an unpleasant mess. You can't, you know, there's nothing to focus on. And when you're looking at watching the video back, you want, your eye wants something to rest on and look around. So um, what you should really do is either zoom or pan, never both at the same time. And when you're panning, pan from the hips. Hold the camera up to your face, hold it steady, and make it a smooth motion going around. That'll make the video look a lot better, especially, as I said, if you're doing something like uh, a bicycle race or a football game, you'll get a good smooth pan and it won't just be a jittery mess. Everybody goes, well, who's that? I can't tell, so... Now, one thing that I also remember seeing uh, from your piece is some of the cameras, I guess, have various options to shoot in black and white or in sepia or in various other, you know, basic editing modes. And I remember you were saying that, that it's better to do all of that if you have any notion of wanting to do that, that it, that all should be done in post-production. Is that right? Oh, absolutely. The problem with those things is they may look very nice, but you're stuck with them. If you shoot something in a sepia mode or in the black and white mode in the camera and you then decide you don't like it, you're stuck. You get no choice in it. You can't go back. If you do it in iMovie afterwards, then you can look at it and go, actually, I don't like that so much. I'm not going to use that or I'm going to control the amount of, of, of uh, changes that it makes to it. So it's much better to, sh to do it afterwards because you get the chance to go back if you don't like it. So. Now, speaking of post-production, uh, we were talking about iMovie and iMovie comes standard with all new Macs now. Um, I'm sure you've probably dabbled in Final Cut Express and, and other types of video editing programs. Why would somebody want to shift? At what point would somebody, you know, who's maybe been using iMovie a little bit, at what point would they say, hey, maybe I want to take the next step and go to Final Cut? What would be sort of the tipping point for that? 
Probably when you're thinking about making money out of a out of a video. I mean, iMovie is an incredibly good program. It does pretty much everything that 99% of people are going to need. But if you are looking at things like you want to do color correction, so if your video has slightly off colors or you want to make two different clips match, uh, Final Cut has more tools in that particular respect than iMovie. iMovie has some, but they're pretty basic. You know, so it's when you're getting really serious about your video, you're thinking, oh, I might, I can, I might make a few bucks doing this, you know you can then sort of start thinking, well, it'd be worth investing the extra to get Final Cut. But, uh, I mean, but so you're saying that, for, so for iMovie, pretty much all the basic things that most people are going to want with shooting home videos or anything like that, it's all right in there? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, if there's not something in there, you can quite often find a plugin to put into iMovie, which can do it for you. So, I mean, iMovie can edit high-definition video. It can, you know, do basic color correction. It can deal with your audio if you've got problems. It can deal with, you know, basic, basic things like that. Um, it can do an incredibly good job. And, you know, pretty much for most people, it's all you're going to need. Just a, a couple last things. As far as uh, shooting with, you know, some of the, cam- the, the cameras that don't have DV um, tapes... Is there any reason why you would want them? Well, the uh, mini DVD camcorders are very convenient because you can shoot a video, uh, finish the disc off, and then take it out and pop it in your set-top DVD player. So if you want to get something that's immediate, you don't want to worry about editing it, they can be very good. The problem is with the discs, uh, they aren't compatible with Macs. Um, The mini DVDs that these things use aren't compatible with the slot-loading drives of most Macs. So if you want to do that, you have to buy an external DVD player, which adds to the cost. Uh, and you, you also need to convert the video. iMovie can't import the video straight from DVD. You have to use an intermediary step to actually convert them to a format it can, it can understand. So they can be great for convenience. You know, If all you want to do is take a video and watch it afterwards on your TV, then a mini DVD camcorder can be great. But if you want to do more, probably mini DV is more suitable. Great. All right, well, any final... Uh thoughts or, or suggestions that you have for people? I, you know, I always think that the thing to remember with taking videos is it's supposed to be fun. It's not supposed to be a chore or something that you have to sit there and laboriously make it the best you can. It's supposed to be about, you know, having fun and recording fun moments. Uh, there's a, a story I always tell, which is uh, I was in London a, a couple of years back and there was a, a gentleman who was taking a video on the banks of the Thames, uh, the Houses of Parliament, and he had his wife in the video and his wife was just really uncomfortable with this. She didn't like being on the video. He was kind of yelling at her to, you know, say something to everybody back home and she was just like, I don't want to. And, you know, that's kind of the thing. You know, it's supposed to be fun. Just shoot it spontaneously. Have some fun. Don't worry about stuff, you know. It's, it's a video that's supposed to represent the fun times, not to be a chore. All right. Well, we'll keep that in mind. Richard Bagley, thank you very much. You're very welcome. Well, that pretty much wraps up the show. I hope you've enjoyed listening to uh, show number 43. We're approaching show number 50. We'll have to figure out something something fun to do for for show number 50. Don't know quite what yet. But if you've got any ideas or you have any other comments or suggestions or anything else like that, please do send them to me. My email address is cfaravar at macworld.com. You can also feel free to leave comments in our show notes. There's a little link at the bottom where you can engage uh, in discussion in our forums, and we really do appreciate that. And I really do read and respond to all of the emails that come in. Um, So if you're worried about sending your email into the void, no, I actually will write back to you. Uh, so please do email me. I love hearing from you guys. So that pretty much wraps it up for me. Um, please do keep sending in audio comments. Um, didn't get any this past time, uh, but 
you know, I know, as I said a couple shows ago, we're done with the giveaways. But if you still want to send audio comments, please do. Um, please send them in uncompressed audio, A format or wave is fine. And if you can't do that, compressed MP3 is okay too. Um, don't send it with any background music and please keep it under two minutes long. And also, please identify yourself at the beginning of your comment. Uh, so listen back to the previous shows to hear, hear how it's done. And if you want to address it to any of the Macworld staff, uh, feel free to do that as well. So this upcoming weekend, for you international listeners out there, is a holiday weekend. Um, so just wanted to alert you that Macworld will be closed on July the 3rd. So if you go to the Macworld website and you're like, you know, is everyone on vacation? The answer is yes, everyone is on vacation. Uh, July 4th is, of course, America's Independence Day, which is a Tuesday. And the powers that be were kind enough to give us the Monday off as well. So Macworld will not be publishing Monday, July 3rd or Tuesday, July 4th. But we'll be back in full force on July the 5th of next week. So we'll catch you guys again soon and uh, have a great weekend. Signing off from San Francisco, this is Sarus Faravar for the Macworld Podcast.